and welcome to POMCAST. This is the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. This episode is sponsored by Nature's Luxury. Nature's Luxury stands for exclusive yarns and fibres in exquisite, natural and unique blends, all passionately and skillfully hand-dyed in their studio, opening a whole universe of colours. They are produced traditionally, some organically, and with an emphasis on the preservation of environment and nature's balance. Nature's Luxury are equally committed to bringing the most luscious blends to you as they are to supporting rare and endangered breed-specific yarns, which they source from small breeders and develop locally in close collaboration with the finest spinning mills, providing their expertise and producing high-quality yarns. In addition to their own pattern line, Nature's Luxury work with independent designers to present sophisticated patterns for the fashionable hand knitter. Find more of their yarns and patterns at naturesluxury.com. Hello! And welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Lydia Gluck and I'm here as I am every month with Sophie Scott. Hi! Hi! Hi. Happy New Year! I don't think it's too late to say that. Never too late! Happy New Year everyone! We're still in January, we hope you had wonderful festive seasons, uh, holiday filled with knitting, love, family, friends, all of those things. Fiber, fiber, <laughs> and not maybe just... some snow Ooh. or sunshine depending which hemisphere you're in. We got a little bit of both, actually. Really? We got snow. Did you? Not for Christmas. But... Oh, right. <laughs> I was going to say, what? Christmas was really Do you remember warm. when I was uh, stood next to you and said goodbye, <laughs> and then I said, oh, look, Lydia, it's snowing. <laughs> After True. we spent the day, I was like, it's going to snow. It's going to snow, Lydia. And you were like, no. Wish we'd place a bet, actually. What it was. <laughs> yes, it did snow. It didn't really stick, but it was very magical. It was just kind of like snow. Not really like snow. <laughs> <laughs> I think sleet, maybe, was... Uh... <laughs> Um, but yes, so we hope that you've all had good starts to 2017. Yeah. Well, we started the podcast with weather, so that sounds about right. Yes. You know? Good. <laughs> Little uh, warm up there. So uh, what have we got? Uh, well, we have pretty much our usual run uh, with a 2017 twist, of course. <laughs> Yet to find out what that'll be, but we can all look forward to discovering it together. I, I, I sense it's there, just the, the flavour in the air. It's oh. New, it's exciting. <laughs> well, we're in our, you know, the late teens of the teens of the 20 hundreds now, aren't we? We're getting to that age where you're going to start going out and drinking without telling your parents. <laughs> That's what I was doing when I was 17. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> what was I doing when I was 17? Listening to a lot of Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I was also doing that. It's good to know that we were in alignment uh, in that regard. Got a little existential and we're like, ah, 17. <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, we will have that. But we'll also have our news and reviews, tell and tell. We've got an interview with uh, Daphne Marinopoulos of The Fibre Company. And what else? We've also got a knitter you should know about. Uh, that new segment's back. Woo! I say new. New for 2017. <laughs> We've done that one before. So historical, eminent, uh, you know, knitters of the past. Mm-hmm. Bringing them with a future 2017 <laughs> vibe. <laughs> and top three. Uh, we've got some nice little uh, additions from you guys because you wrote in our blog. Oh, yeah. If you want to get involved, we've got a blog. We've got a website. Indeedy. We've got a Ravelry forum. Indeedy. We've we got, got all those things. We've got an email address, podcast at pompommag.com. We like to hear from you. Yeah. And of course, uh, the website is pompommag.com. And if you go to pompommag.com forward slash podcast, you can see uh, all our show notes from every podcast ever. Indeed, ever. So if you ever wonder like, oh, they, they mentioned something really interesting. They said it was really cool, a really good pattern, a really good yarn. And then you can't quite put your finger on what it was. 
hopefully we'll have put it in the notes. <laughs> well, no, we will. Diligent and dedicated. Yes. <laughs> and everything we talk about is cool, I know, so it's worth uh, it's worth checking out. <laughs> I mean, oh. What was the thing we were talking about? I like to leave a little extra room to be cooler. <laughs> yeah. I'm operating at 30% and then... Uh... Yeah, we reckon we're both around 30% cool, but that gives us 70% worth of possible cool improvement. I think that's good. I think by this time in 2018... We want to be at 40%. Which All right. Think? I think that's good news resolution already. There we go. Oh, let's talk about that later. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So uh, news. News. We've got a lot of news. It's exciting. Well, it's the beginning of a new year. That's news. It's kind of old news now. But we also have some actual news. <laughs> so the next issue of Pom Pom, which will be issue 20, uh, will be out more or less around the time, not long after this podcast comes out, basically. Not long to wait. So this is the spring issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Is it springy? <laughs> Fresh pastel colours, mm-hmm. very poppy, got mm-hmm. a little bit of speckles in there with the yarn. Oh, yes. Um, all sort of inspired from the signs of spring. You yes. know, buzzing insects, petals on the uh, the trees, buds posting, poking through the ground. All those kind of things. Less frost, more sun, more fun. <laughs> Less frost, more fun. <laughs> That's the tagline. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're really excited about it. Um, and you might have already seen the previews. So check them out if you haven't, because uh, I've seen say, them. Yes, Sophie's seen them. <laughs> I have also seen them. I love them, and we like them. We think they're good. <laughs> the end. Speaking of previews, uh, if people haven't previewed, what would you suggest they uh, post view? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, of course, I love them all, but let's see. The ones on my top to be knitted mm-hmm. list, as in I'm already, you know maybe buying yarns or allocating stash yarn. TBK, to be knit. TBK, exactly. Yes. The two that I have TBK mm-hmm. are Izumi by Natalie Sellers. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Natalie, I know you well enough to at least have asked you at some point how to pronounce your surname. <laughs> Probably even said it or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that one is knit in Madeline Tosh Sport and it has a beautiful lace pattern around the uh, neck and shoulders and on the cuffs, but it's kind of like sweatshirty shaped. Yeah, it's lacy without being revealing, which I think is a hard balance to get. It is, and I like that there is a fair amount of stocking stockinette stitch, uh, so you know that, you know, for those times where you're watching something maybe with subtitles, mm-hmm. or maybe you're trying to have a conversation with somebody whilst knitting, and you want to at least pretend that you're paying attention to them and not your knitting... There's, you know, that section, but then there's also some quite epic lacy cable stuff to use your brain for. Uh, and I do plan to use my brain in 2017. I don't know about you. I'd love to. Maybe at 30%. <laughs> <laughs> um, that one and Tania. Um, that's my other two knit, which is uh, got a lovely little cable pattern inspired by moth swings. The good kind of moths, not clothes moths. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. Knitters hate. <laughs> How about you? Um, on my uh, list, TBK. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bombus by Miriam mm-hmm. Yars, I think mm-hmm. it's pronounced the yeah. Um, it's like a modern vintage reimagining of a bomber jacket, and what? oh, it's just dreamy. You've got like a lovely, quite a deep, kind of cropped, but it's like a deep uh, band mm-hmm. for the waist, and it's got this amazing like quilted stitch. So mm-hmm. it sort of it reminds me in a good way of like a vintage quilted bed jacket. Yeah, you know, but you kind of get silky. Little fifties mm-hmm. bed jacket. I had a housemate who wore one of those. Fantastic, <laughs> it was great. Fantastic. <laughs> See, this is how I get my extra forty percent cool. I start wearing things like this, <laughs> and it has uh, tiny like pops of color in the mm-hmm. shoulders and the back. Little embroidery detail. Just oh, 
It's, it's, oh, it's, it's delightful. <laughs> it's kind of, it makes me feel like spring looking at it. So that's definitely feeling pretty strong about that right. as a as a P- 2BK. As a TBK, nice. Yeah. Well, obviously there is those patterns and many more patterns. Yes. So you guys should take a little look there. All right, so uh, we need to scroll back a little bit, mm-hmm. back to uh, Christmas, the Christmas party. Of course, we had the uh, the Christmas podcast where we hypothesized at what the Christmas party was like. And, and then it happened. Yeah, and then it happened. Hooray. I think our predictions were 100% correct. I think so too. Uh, I don't know about you, but I had a lovely time. Oh, it started the Christmas period with a bang for me. It certainly did, yes. So, I mean, there was uh, no explosion. So <laughs> with a delicious drink and a toasted sandwich and some nice yarn. It was fantastic. The mm-hmm. band was amazing. Various guises. Yeah, definitely. Those guys. Check those guys out. I know a few people bought their CD, um, but anybody who wasn't able to attend the party, if you want to get a kind of, you know, pom-pom Christmas party vibe... Maybe you could just like get some knitting and listen to various guises, mm-hmm. and then it would be like you were there with us. So thanks, of course, again to everybody who came along. It was lovely to hang out with some of you, and a bunch of people came up and said hi and said that they liked the podcast, which we always appreciate, and it's always nice to meet you podcasts in person. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're in our vicinity, please come up and say hello. Yeah, because um, we like that very much. Didn't do you remember uh, Anna? Anna was somewhere and she was saying she met people who listened to podcasts and they were like, "Are they really as nice as they sound on the podcast?" And she was like, "No, <laughs> they're horrible." No. <laughs> Don't tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're yeah. quite nice. I'd say we're quite nice. Well, at least thirty <laughs> yeah. percent. Um, but uh, of course, we should uh, thank our sponsors again, uh, who helped us put on the lovely party that. Um, many of you enjoyed so that's the fiber company um along with john arburn and fig tree yarns so thanks to those guys and thanks to everybody who had a stand and everybody who came along oh speaking of the fiber company of course we have the interview later we do indeed mm. and also here's a super duper linky up <gasps> um if you came to the party um you would have seen in your goodie bag maybe you've even started uh, knitting from the pattern we had a uh, exclusive pom-pom pattern designed for us by Juju Vale. Mm-hmm. You've listened to this podcast. If you, you've dipped your toe in the magazine, you will know uh, Juju's voice and photography work. <laughs> yes, and know that she is a craft force to be reckoned with. Indeed, indeed. So, um, yes, that was our super-duper Christmas special treat. Mm-hmm. People came to the pom-pom party. Mm-hmm. But what's a Christmas treat without sharing it with everyone else? Right? You know, you get a Terry's chocolate orange... It's not the same if you just eat all of it by yourself. Then you just feel sick. But if you share it, yeah, share the love. Indeed. So much like a segment of Terry's Chocolate Orange, <laughs> this will be the pattern, uh, which is a, a lovely... It's like a cowl, but it's more of like a shoulder cape cowl. Yeah, it kind of could do either. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of both. And uh, yeah, it's got a lovely um, kind of slip stitch pattern there designed for us by Juju in the Fibre Company Cumbria. Oh, I have already made one. Oh, indeed. Just yeah. saying. And uh, how did you find it? I found it delightful. I made it, in fact, over the Christmas holidays whilst watching, uh, what did we watch? You know, Christmas movies. <laughs> Hunger Games or something. I don't know. It's a Christmas movie? <laughs> but it is now. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I made one. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, so that pattern will soon be available on the blog. So we look forward to sharing it with you. And we hope that you guys uh, love it as much as we do. And if you make it, we want to see those projects. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you can always check on the social media forums that we have of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those guys. 
And in further news, it's the time of year now where we go to several exciting knitting shows in a row. Indeed, we pack our bags and uh, it's another way to see all of you guys. And also Mm -hmm. for you guys to see all the samples, all the magazine, Mm -hmm. all the fun merchandise we might bring along. Oh boy, oh boy. So we're going to be at Unravel at Farnham Maltings in February, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting. It was the first show that we ever did as Pom Pom and we've been there every year since. So that's uh, mid-February, that's the 17th, uh, the 18th and the 19th. You can get your tickets uh, at the Maltings website. Um, yeah, it's a great fun little place. We'll be doing some podcast stuff. We certainly will. So you can keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll be telling you more. And we will also have a little uh, surprise in the form of uh, Interpretations Volume 4. <gasps> oh boy, what a surprise! <laughs> Um, so yeah, keep keep an eye out for all that stuff. And as if that wasn't enough, we are also going to be at Edinburgh. I'm Festival. looking forward to Edinburgh. I'm, not that I'm not looking to, forward to Unravel, but Edinburgh last year. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's March the 10th and 11th. It's the Friday and the Saturday. Mm-hmm. So we'll be there uh, again with samples, magazines, books, our lovely selves, some other selves that are less on this podcast, such as Amy. Remember to pack her and all the samples as well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and there's also the uh, podcast lounge at Edinburgh. Oh yeah, this is great. Uh, Blackie Yarns, uh, who you may have met with, mm-hmm. you've certainly heard of if you've listened to this podcast. Uh, very cool and groovy guys who support the uh, the podcast community. They certainly do. So they've set up a podcast lounge where you can hang out with uh, Pomcats and mm-hmm. other podcasts from <laughs> other podcasts and the hosts and presenters of different, uh, the broadcasters, if you will, I guess. Yeah. And they're having a really cool uh, knit-along, a pod knit-along, mm-hmm. uh, where if you knit any pattern in a blacker yarn um, and you wear it to the blacker stall at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival, you can get a discount. Whoa! So that's pretty cool. But don't worry if you're not going to Edinburgh. They have a, a FOMO thread. <laughs> you know FOMO? I know FOMO. It stands for Fear of Missing Out. Indeed. So don't fear it with your... I like F... Because it's F-O-M-O. It's yeah. almost finished object. Missing out. <laughs> So it's like another layer within there. <laughs> but yeah, you can enter. There's uh, lots of details on Ravelry. Uh, you can enter your project there. Um, and win a special, a special prize as well, which is nice. Tell and tell. It's good to chat about Ning. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, so tell and tell where we tell uh, you guys and each other what crafty projects we've been uh, up to. I feel always with the January podcast, because we've usually been away <laughs> for Christmas, we're like, well, I my productivity has gone through the roof. <laughs> hmm, I'm not sure that mine has, but oh. tell me about yours. Well, I've finished quite a few things I'm very happy with. Mm-hmm. finished my Wick Lane, mm-hmm. which is a shawl from Pom Pom One, where yeah. I did the chart all wrong <laughs> and I had to change a lot of the things, but it all worked out. It's a little bit pointy. It's a triangle shaped shawl. Mm-hmm. And the top kind of, rather than uh, a flat triangle at the top, with a flat side, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. kind of has a weird kind of pyramid, like a dip. Well, I haven't actually seen this. I don't know why you haven't shown me. It's a little bit thinner than what I'd like to be wearing. I've got my heavy ah, duty shawls out in rotation yes. at the moment. Mm-hmm. So this is a little like, uh, you know, spring's going to be coming soon. Looks like it might even come next week by the the weather forecast. Uh, So I'm (laughs) totally chuffed with that. Mm -hmm. I also did Christmas speed knitting, did some Caswell Bay mitts, which are from Take Heart, Mm -hmm. um, which have the lovely sort of diamondy arrowhead chevron pattern on. Yeah. 
cast them on um, Christmas Eve mm -hmm. and finish them for Christmas Day. Way. No way. I did modify the pattern a little bit. I changed the... Made them a bit shorter. Made them a tiny bit shorter. Still. But uh, Grandma was happy. Aww. So, uh, Grandma Scott. Yeah. Grandma Scott. Awesome. Nana. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. Also finished a Queensland Beach headband. Uh, pro productivity, uh, honestly. So that's from Take Heart as well. Mm -hmm. And I am... One thing I love about knitting is when you get to the point where you know the pattern off by heart. You yes. don't have to look at the pattern. And this is cable repeating. And there's something just so satisfying in the way this cable repeats that it just it clicked in my head. It was like that Matrix bit. And I know Kung Fu. <laughs> and good 90s reference there. You could stop a bullet if it was coming towards you. With the density of this yarn, it's... <laughs> It's pretty thick. I used also another good thing. I used some stash yarn oh, yes. that I've had in my stash. Okay, so how long do you think I've had it? If I'm if I'm going to be like this is a significant number, five or six years. Eight. Oof. Yeah. And I remember buying it. I remember the moment where I was like, "Do I need this?" I was like, "No, I'll definitely use that for something." Eight you years were right. Eight years later. Well done, past Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't think it would take that long for me to find something, <laughs> but it's like a just a very. Uh, I say humble, but a classic mm. Rowan uh, Aaron. Beautiful. Does well, I'm job. looking at it right now, actually, because it's on the desk over there. Yeah. And I approve. It's nice. It matches your t-shirt as well. Well done. Yeah, I do love mulberries. I guess, actually, when we recorded the Christmas podcast, I hadn't yet finished my cesium jumper, because I finished it the night before. I was up quite late the night before the Christmas party, for many reasons. You know, there's a lot of things that one has to do in order to throw an exciting party. And let me just say that I love throwing parties, so I don't mind the extra work. It's oh, fun. I love the party. Also, I spent all of my university years practising <laughs> by going to parties, so it's glad that that's finally paying off. <laughs> professor of parties. <laughs> yeah. You're there in the corner making notes. Interesting. People <laughs> drink and then have a good time. Ah, so, so this booze, this is integral. Well, we all know that that's not really true, because it's dry January, so we all have to, not have to, but uh, there are many ways to have fun. Anyway. I made a graph about it. I'll show you later. Did you? Okay, good. I'm excited. So there's no better way to uh, track fun than with graphs. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, I finished my cesium jumper the night before the party, which meant I got to wear it to the party, uh, which I was ever so happy about. And I love that jumper. I basically wore it constantly for about a month. I now washed it again. <laughs> um, but it's so warm. The yarn's so warm. And actually, set in sleeves because um, I do a lot of boxy kind of shapes mm -hmm. this is kind of my thing but uh, I liked the the set in sleeve vibe for that uh, and I will I just started um, making my Velamo which is from uh, issue 18 the cover, the cover star yeah. mm -hmm. uh, by uh, Francesca Hughes and I'm knitting it in Viola Polworth and Alpaca which is a light fingering so it's a bit finer than the um, original yarn but it's knitting up real beautifully and it's also got set in sleeves. So I'm like interested in this new phase in my uh, wardrobe. That's good. So I've been making that. Um, uh, I also made a pussy hat. Yeah, me too. I didn't mention that. Yeah. So uh, most of you probably know that there was uh, a march um, in Washington, D.C. And on, all over the world. And all over the world, including in London on the 21st. Um, and pussy hats were, uh, well, there was the pussy hat project. Um, for which people made pink hats that had little cute ears mm -hmm. uh, to be worn on the day of the march. Many of them were sent to Washington, but we selfishly kept our own here to wear in London. Um, and it was just, well, not just, it was a march uh, highlighting the fact that uh, genders are not yet treated equally 
that we have come some way, but that we are not anywhere near getting to the end of the work that needs to be done. And not only for people of different genders, but people of different races and cultures and backgrounds and faiths and different so on. Sexualities, I suppose. Yeah, all sorts of different uh, people in the world and that none of those things should affect the way you are treated in the world. True. And together we can be part of the community and part of the uh, community that <laughs> exactly. we, we like to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> and, you know, it's part of the magazine as well. So, uh, indeedy. Love not uh, hate. Okay, so our review for this episode is of a delightful yarn. Uh, we do like to uh, try out new yarns. It's always very exciting. And the one we've got this month is from Nature's Luxury, our lovely sponsors. And it's called Fox and Meets Merino, which is a cool name and sounds like a cool mini animation. It's a cool little indie film. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's uh, a very kind of woolly wool. Sophie did the swatch knitting for this, so she has a better idea of its uh, knit knitting vibes. I was going to say, we knit these things so you guys don't have to, but actually we knit them, so you can you can try knitting with them as well. <laughs> um, so initial uh, thoughts. I'd like to talk about the colour. Please do. Uh, maybe the, the lack therein, mm -hmm. because it is a natural fleece colour. So it's the uh, Coburg fox sheep. That's <laughs> the, uh, it's a German sourced and spun yarn, mm -hmm. and it's produced exclusively by Nature's Luxury, don't oh, you know? Very good. Um, by and for Nature's Luxury. Mm -hmm. So um, you have the sort of a nice, creamy, natural, fleecy mm. shade. You're with me on that. Oh, yeah. But there's uh, a lovely kind of fleck of, uh, you know how with alpaca you get that sort of the actual halo of the hair? Yeah. It's like that, but it's a lovely cinnamony colour. Mm. So within that, there's sort of the warm brown um, within it. Yeah, kind of so, peeking through. Kind of peeking through. So yeah. You, it's not like flex, but you, uh, yeah, like a, I suppose the best way I can describe it is like a halo. Yeah. And um, we know that uh, Rachel Atkinson, who is our wonderful tech editor and friend, she's a big, big fan of this yarn. And now that it's here in person with us, we can see why. Indeed. And she is a lady who knows her uh, woolly wools. She knows her way around a as, sheep. As a person who produces uh, the wonderful Daughter of a Shepherd yarn. So, um it's and what kind of thickness are we looking at? It's sort of like a DK. Yeah, yeah. It's a DK. Um, it's quite springy, which is nice. Um, I did find it very sticky to knit mm -hmm. with. I think mm -hmm. partly because that's because I've been knitting with a merino recently, which yeah. of course is quite smooth, bouncy, yes. uh, very you know easy yeah. all rounder. Well, I'm just I'm touching the swatch now. <laughs> Touch the swatch. Touch it. Yeah, so I can feel it's kind of um, almost like Shetlandy, I guess. Yeah, I mean yeah. that has been. I was interested to see with this yarn how it felt after washing and blocking. So yeah. that has been, as I say, yeah. wash and block. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't change the the feel a lot, which right. is nice because I think sometimes it's good to have a yarn that sort of blooms, changes a little yeah. bit. Yeah, but this kind of did still keep the integrity, like the texture mm. of the wool, which yeah. I really liked. So I guess really good stitch definition. Oh yeah, uh, I could. I'd like to. I did a little bit of garter stitch, a little bit of stocking. Yeah. You know, some classic bits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it would help hold its shape up really well with cables. Yeah, um, you can kind of get a very nice wintry uh, little knit out of this. Definitely, I'll say. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's uh, really gorgeous and specifically of interest for you know people who are interested in uh, you know very breed specific yarns and um, and in yarns where you can trace the whole kind of production. You know, because as you said, it was produced by Nature's Luxury and for them and, you know, with small scale producers. And so it's kind of a really special one off. Mm, it's, I think it's important. I think a lot of people, just as, you know, 
caring where the food comes from mm. or, you know, clothes. I think within that, uh, you know, what, who's producing your wool? Yeah, exactly. Um, and luckily for you guys, if you are interested to try this, uh, we'll be doing a little giveaway yes, so of it. We're so very, uh, very excited, thankful to uh, Nature's Luxury for giving us three skeins to give away. Woo! Yeah, so we'll have uh, information about how you can win that yarn on our show notes. Yeah, uh, that is if you're listening to this in time. And if not, then, you know, go look at it anyway. Uh, perhaps pick yourself up a skein. So for this podcast's interview, we talked to Daphne Marinopoulos, who is the founder of The Fibre Company. Um, this yarn brand has been going th- since uh, 2003, mm-hmm. and uh, I spoke to her earlier this month, and what came across was her sort of passion and excitement and just her sort of commitment to textiles yeah. and running this brand. It's, it really comes across that she was very interesting to talk to, as are all our interviewees. Yes. But um, I think that's the great thing about this industry, that people are just like, do it for the absolute love yeah. and of I guess what they do. Possibly the first time we've interviewed somebody who started their own, like, you know, like rather than hand dyeing, she produces, mm. uh, you know, the yarns. And I think anybody who's used Fiber Company knows that they create really interesting kind of innovative blends. Yeah, and that's uh, sort of yeah what what we talk about. Her custom blends. They moved to the UK and sort of yeah future plans, exciting things for the mm. Fiber Company. Yeah. So uh, so listen away. joined by Daphne Marinopoulos, uh, founder of The Fibre Company. Good morning, Daphne. Good morning, Sophie. How are you today? I'm great. So pleased you could join us. How's, uh, how's the weather in Cumbria today? Uh, well, it's starting off with some grey skies, a little bit of mist, um, a light frost, and um, I'm looking at a field of Texel sheep, um, and right in the middle of that field is a cute little black one. So oh. it's so adorable. And he's all by himself. And uh, so, yeah, it's a beautiful morning in Cumbria, quite typical of the bucolic nature of our lifestyle here. Yeah, I'm glad you indulged me on the idea that I have of what your, your life and your setup is there in the Lake District. So that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it really is. There's nothing for us to complain about. Wonderful. Oh, well, as you so nicely introduced the uh, interview there with the sheep, which of course, which is our somewhat our theme for the interview, yeah, um, wanted to chat about uh, yeah your your role in the fiber company and sort of what your your background in textiles and knitting is and how you came to start the fiber company. Um, well, you know, textile milling is in my blood. Um, it it really is. I can honestly say that I had Greek immigrant grandparents, immigrants to the United States from Greece. They worked in the last of the operating textile mills in Lowell, Massachusetts. Um, And because it was such a textile town, there was a a university there. Well, at the time it was called the Lowell Textile Institute. And my father went there and graduated with a degree in engineering as a textile engineer. And he had a long career in that field with the DuPont company. So 
I really had an early introduction. Um, all my grandparents were big makers, stitchers of all kinds, you name it. It was all done by them. And uh, I grew up sewing my own clothes. That was what we did back in the back in the okay, I'll date myself, the 60s and 70s <laughs> when I was in high school. And then my, it was my mother who taught me how to knit specifically. And um, I learned how to, I think I made a scarf for a first project and, you know, helped her make some squares for blanket. And my grandmother taught me how to crochet, but I, I never really stayed with crochet. I stayed with knitting over the years, not in a particularly big way. But then eventually I picked it up again when I was an adult. Um, I was living and working abroad in West Africa. And I met uh, a woman there who is from the state of Maine in the U.S. And she was a big knitter. And she used to get the Rowan books. And um, she had a library of knitting books and K-Facet um, color books, and I, I just was introduced to a world of knitting I knew nothing about previously, and uh, just just really got into it then. Um, now, it was several years later, of course, before I went on to start the fiber company when I was looking for a career change, and um, I you know, started, people said, well, look at what you're passionate about and where, where your interests lie and all that, and one thing led to another, and I learned about a, a mill um, a small-scale mill that was developed mostly for farmers to bring onto their properties to add value to their fiber. And, of course, I wasn't a farmer, but I had this idea of, well, there are probably a lot of farmers who have fiber and would want to do something with it to add value, and maybe we could process it for them. And then, oh, I could create things, the kinds of yarns that maybe I didn't see on the retail shelves um, that would be really different and kind of unique and have a strong artisan quality to them. And, oh, I could learn about how to dye fibers and, and all of this sort of thing. So one thing led to another. I bought that mill and, um, you know, named the enterprise the, the fiber company because it really was about the, the love of the fiber. Of course, there was knitting involved in it, too, but I was really drawn to the tactile nature of textiles from a very young age. And, and my interest really was in, in the fiber end of it. So we became the fiber company in 2003. We had set up in the state of Maine. Uh, there was a draw there. I used to go to uh, vacation in the summertime um, to visit family in the Boston area, and we'd make trips up to the Maine coast. And then, of course, my uh, adult knitting mentor was someone who lived in Maine, and I used to go and visit her. And um, it was a natural draw for a career change, and um, it's a nice lifestyle in Maine. <laughs> so we went to Maine. Um, and my husband, who is from the UK, uh, eventually wanted to um, move us back here. So uh, we started making plans to do that uh, several years ago, but there was quite a process in making that happen. Uh, owning a textile mill does not really make one very mobile. And uh, so there was a process that we went through with the fiber company. And um, it, it involved, initially, we were just selling the yarns retail in a small shop next to our mill. And then eventually, we started wholesaling. And what I learned quite quickly was is that our mill was very unproductive and couldn't meet the demand of a wholesale market. So we had to start partnering with other mills to produce our products. And um, 
And, you know, it's it's a challenge when you're trying to get an artisan quality product or something quite unique out of a large commercial mill. But uh, I think it was because we had our own mill that we we knew how to work with mills and ask them, well, why can't you blend it this way instead of that way so that we could ultimately end up getting what we wanted. And so now we don't have a mill anymore. That allowed us to be mobile enough to make this move back to the UK where my husband's family lives in Cumbria. And that's what, of course, brought us to Cumbria. And um, there's no shortage of inspiration around here. And family who've come to visit and friends who've come to visit from other places had no idea that there was a such a stunning place on, on the face of the planet like this. So there's that sense of inspiration all around us. And really, a sense of place has always had great importance to me and therefore to the brand. Um, just because I have you know, lived uh, around the world and, and traveled quite a bit and feel like I've had quite a uh, – well, it's just informed my work quite a bit. And you know, whether it's from naming products that are place-oriented or, or colors or thinking about where fibers come from. And, for example, when I was planning the move to the UK, I was working on a new product, um, and I decided to use some English wool in the blend, and then when it came time to name the yarn, uh, well, it was just so natural to name it Cumbria. No other name would have worked at that point in my life, and so, uh, the, and even the colors in that line are drawn from uh place names and, and colors that you'd find in this local area, the lakes, the fields, and, and heathers. They're, um, they definitely have you know, provided some great inspiration as we develop new yarns and designs. Well, I was going to ask about, you mentioned already how your, your passion and the focus of the company, you know, with a name like Fiber Company, obviously there's a, a clue in the title there. Um, I'm wondering if you uh, could tell us a bit more of the, the process of how you evolve and develop the blends. Um, yes. Maybe there's like a particular favorite you have or a recent yarn. Yeah, the, the favorites change almost according to the day and the mood and you know what, what the, the, what's happening to me that day. But basically, we are known for our blends. And that comes from those early days of running our own mill and having the opportunity to really play with different fibers. Um, you know, at that time, back in the early 2000s, the large commercial mills who typically present collections of new yarns to the industry, craft knitting industry every year, they really didn't propose the kind of wacky blends that we have because it's generally less productive. But our mill was too small to ever be productive, and that gave me an excuse to ex experiment, you know, because I wasn't trying to be productive. I was, I could stand at that carding machine and say, well, what if we mixed a little bit of camel and throw in some cashmere and a little bit of brown yak and some this and that and, and then see how it comes out the other end and spin and dye it. So I was curious, very curious about the type of fabrics that could be created from not just different fibers, but a mixture of those fibers. And equally, I wanted to experiment with color on yarns that had multiple natural fibers mixed within them. Um, so an example that I would give is um, a recent yarn that I worked on, which coincidentally just happens to be a yarn 
that we're launching in a couple of days on the 1st of February. Very you exciting. <laughs> yeah, and you heard it first here on the Palmcast. So <laughs> this is a um, couple of days ahead of the official launch. Here it is. Um, and uh, I'll tell you the story about how it emerged. And, and uh, basically, well, this is an interesting one because it's a remake of an oldie with a couple of twists and turns along the way. Uh, it was 2005. I purchased some naturally colored cotton. Uh, and by natural, I mean that it grows in color. There are several shades of natural colored cotton. And I had gotten a hold of some beautiful light brown to quite yellowish naturally color grown cotton um, from a company called Vresis um, by Sally Fox in the U.S. So people, uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, I would suggest you look at it because it's, it's an interesting fiber story there. But anyway, I, when I got a hold of this, I asked the question, what would this look like if I mixed it with some uh, typical acru colored wool, merino wool? And then I thought uh, about blending some linen in for to give it a rustic touch. Um, and then I wanted to have uh, some sprinkles of brightness uh, here and there in the dye pot. So I added, at that time, I wasn't using a lot of silk. I was using more soy fiber. It was a bit more economical. And, uh, and it gave uh, some of the properties of silk. So I added a bit of soy fiber, spun two weights, both a bulky and a DK weight, and then went to the dye pots to experiment with color. Uh, the spin and the color experiments came out really, really fab, and we launched a yarn called Savannah. But later, when we moved our production to work with partner mills, we had difficulty finding a mill who could work with us uh, at this very unusual blend of fibers. Um, it has to do with the different lengths, staple lengths of the fibers, um, and most commercial mills couldn't do that. We managed for a while to have it made in the U.S., but eventually it just became too costly and difficult to handle, and we had to discontinue the line. But I never gave up the search, and eventually... Uh, uh, not that long ago, I got very lucky when a, a mill came calling um, one we had never worked with before, asking for our business. And I said, well, <laughs> if I got a challenge for you. And uh, it just, it took several trials and we um, ultimately ended up with something similar, but not the exact yarn. And so because there weren't, there because it was sufficiently different from the original Savannah yarn in terms of the weight of the yarn and the blend, I decided it would be best to rebrand rebrand it with a new name. So uh, the name of the yarn is Luma, and it is a blend of merino and organic cotton, linen, and mulberry silk fiber. And it's in slightly different mixes than our old Savannah yarn, and it's a slightly different weight. It's more of a, uh, well, it's a DK weight. We don't have the bulky anymore. And it's got um, the most amazing soft handle. <laughs> and when it came time to look at uh, colors for this, the, the original palette of that Savannah yarn, that first version, included a lot of light and bright shades. And uh, this kind of almost redo of Savannah, although we're calling it Luma, is launching with its own 12 bright light shades um, and a few really soft neutrals that are quite nice as well. 
the knitted fabric you said it has a soft handle but how would you what would you sort of use that for how would you describe how it knits up yeah it knits really beautifully um the linen gives it some structure it also gives it um the opportunity to have a slightly rustic look to it and um not overly so but just uh you know ever so slightly and we don't uh some of the colors we dye both the linen and the and the wool and some of the colors we don't dye the linen so for those colors where we don't dye the linen it gives it um a depth of color as if the yarn had been fiber dyed in other words dyed in the fiber and then mixed in multiple colors and spun so a lot of what we do in the blending has to do with how we want those colors to come out Let's talk more about color. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, why not? Um, how do you work on a, a palette for like a new range like that? And yeah. How do you develop all the colors that the fiber company have? Well, when I got to the point where I still wanted to start learning to dye in the early days, um, you know, I studied from with a lot of different, you know, well-known dyers. And, uh, but there was one workshop I took that I ended up taking home a library of about 1,500 shades of wool that we did a thing in this workshop that we, we, we each took a, a set of permutations of about 10 to 12 different base color dyes, and then we mixed those up, and we each took a set of those such that, um, I don't know, there may have been a dozen of us in the class, and we ended up, all of us, taking home 1,500 shades of wool. And so that's an amazing library to have, you know, a, a recipe. So from the very early days, I probably had um, a reference library, the likes that take an individual years and years to develop on their own. So that library is often my starting point for developing colors today. And when the yarn is, you know, Hank dyed, uh, in other words, the yarn is spun, and then it goes off to be dyed in the hank, either um, through a hand-dyed process in big kettles, because some of our yarns are still hand-dyed in that way, or even industrial, industrially dyed in a, you know, a dye house, most often attached to a mill. Um, I'll set up my own lab first in, in the office here and do some trials. So I keep a full set of dyes here and, you know, a full laboratory. I don't have it set up at all times because I need space for other things, but I'll set up the lab and um, make little mini hanks and go through my library and pick some colors. And the thing is, is that it's, it's still very much an experiment because I'm always working on a blend, whereas my library is 100% wool. So I get to look at it. And then after time, I've learned, you know, some fibers, this, this silk will be a little bit brighter than than the others. And, oh, okay, if I'm going to use a acid dye to dye um, the protein fibers, that's a little bit different than what we would use to dye the linen or cotton. And so, um, you know, I play around with it. But when the yarn is um, dyed uh, after being spun, that's a different process. Um, and what I have to do there is get the actual different colors of base fibers. Um, so I do keep a library, or not a library, uh, some inventory of lots of different colors. And I do some hand blending 
just, um, I don't even really have a card, but I have a couple of brushes that I'll do some hand blending with. And um, that's a little bit less precise than, than the dyeing. For example, the yarn that I developed that I mentioned earlier while I was in the process of planning my move to Cumbria, I sat down and dyed over 80 different uh, colors. And we only launched with 14 shades. It's not easy to go from 80 down to 14. But there's always an idea of where we want to go. And with Cumbria, it was um, intense, uh, tensely saturated colors with, uh, with a few neutrals, which is a theme for us. And, um, but, if, you know, the way we apply, the way we, the colors that we choose are rarely uh, base dyes. We're usually mixing, you know, uh, a variety of base dyes to get um, some interesting effect and depth of color and try to avoid that flat color look that can come from uh, a very typical industrial dyed process. Color is equally important to the fiber to me. And um, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's such a therapeutic thing to work with color. And uh, I wish I could do more of it. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to move on to some of our uh, classic POMCAST questions. Um, so people who've listened to the podcast before will know some of these. So mm -hmm. one of the favorites we have is desert island yarn. So mm -hmm. you cast upon a desert isle and you can bring one yarn. It's an unlimited supply and you can bring all the colors. I have a sense of what your brand might choice might be, but um, uh, what would uh -huh. it be and why? <laughs> yeah, well, you're right on the brand choice. <laughs> I would bring my first love um, for the warmth and deep memories that I would be needing as a castaway, shall we say, and that yarn would be Terra. It was the first one that I created, and the the depth of color in that uh, is just something that really um, brings me joy. So I'd bring that. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, uh, where's the best place for people to keep up to date with what you're doing? Well, we we have quite an active blog, of course, on our website uh, on the internet at thefiberco.com, and we spell fiber the British English way with an R-E, not an E-R, so it's thefiberco.com, and um, we have a blog that's quite active with updates there. Um, that's a new website, by the way, so let us know what you think when you get there. Um, and uh, we, we love the community on Instagram and um, so we're at the fiber company there. We spell out the full word company there because the fiber co wasn't available, but on Facebook and Pinterest were the fiber co and we have a Ravelry group that's starting to get more active. Um, and that's under the, the, the name of the fiber co too. So, um, of course we have a contact page on our website and I have a real open policy here that, um, um, you know, I, I love talking to people and uh, whether it's through email or the phone and if anyone wants to get in touch, please don't hesitate. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's no wall. It's very open here. And um, I've made some really amazing uh, friendships and, um, you know, some, some of them just, we don't really see each other. Some I've never met, you know, and I feel so close to them. Um, but it's something about this community of very like-minded folks that uh, I can't say enough about. And I want to meet more of them and support more of them and be friends with more of them. So get in touch in any way you can. 
Wonderful. That's uh, well. I'm so glad that we were able to to reach out and have a chat with you today for our listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to spend this morning with you. Thank you. Bye bye. Alrighty. Bye for now. Daphne for joining us for that interview. Great to catch up with her and uh, learn more about the fiber company. Indeed, and I was sorry I couldn't talk to her myself, but it was just so interesting to hear everything that she has to say mm-hmm. uh, about the Yarny world. And don't forget that soon we'll have our uh, Pine Sway cowl that Juju Vale designed for the Christmas party. That will soon be out. And that's in the fiber company Cumbria, which, uh, of course, Cumbria is a part of the UK. Indeed, part of <laughs> Part of the Lake District, as mentioned in the interview. So, <laughs> so, knitters you should know about. Who are these knitters? Why should we know about them? <laughs> what do they knit? Let's find out. <laughs> yes. So, uh, this is uh, one of the segments that, um, like a cool breeze, comes and goes in this podcast. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a bit creepy, but... <laughs> Can you hear that? That's the winds of change. <laughs> so, uh for this uh, episode, we want to talk about a knitter that we think you should know about, who is um, from a particularly turbulent part of uh, history. Indeed. Or modern history. But without uh, history, with, you know, there's always knitting. <laughs> uh, with history, there's always knitting. So uh, we're going to talk about someone who has a very English name. He's uh, Herbert Asquith. Do you know this chap? <laughs> well, he has a very English name. Yes. You may know him better as Lord Kitchener, which may Ooh. be some bells are ringing already. Oh boy, are they? Yeah. So uh, he was uh, Secretary of State for War. And uh, this is in the First World War. Um, and he rapidly enlisted and trained people to volunteer uh, for his Kitchener armies. Mm-hmm. And these were armies of people who were knitting? Indeed. So that, you know, I think a lot of people will have heard of sort of the, you know, the knit for the soldiers campaigns. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, uh, you know, knit for the people in the trenches, knit them socks, knit them mm-hmm. hats, mm-hmm. knit them uh, gloves. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, I don't think, uh, does that happen as much these days? That's probably another knit you know about. We'll yeah. research that for yeah. later. <laughs> So Kitchener was associated with the Red Cross plan, uh, which was across British and American and Canadian women who were knitting various comforts, as they were called, mm-hmm. the men in the trenches, uh, like mittens and scarves and socks. Mm-hmm. And uh, he sa- he's said to contribute his own sock design. Interesting. We didn't get the uh, submission of Pom Pom, but uh, we haven't got no, that time machine. No, he the... Uh... <laughs> haven't got that time machine yet. Uh, yes, yeah, so his sock design <laughs> included a squarish grafted toe squareish um <laughs> which was a so he um so, you know he's he's credited with the name yes for this uh seamless grafting stitch that makes socks more comfortable and it became known as kitchener stitch yes heard of it <laughs> a little old stitch you might know um <laughs> because machine knitting as well was not unusual at this time a lot of the socks would be made on a little hand-turned sock machine cool um much like uh Know, like a little loom thing, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. modern knitting frame. Um, so once you make the tube, it will be taken off the loom, and then they graft up the uh, seam. Interesting. So I guess when it wasn't being grafted, but it was just being kind of seamed in a regular way, mm-hmm. uh, that seam would uh, irritate 
the toes of the soldiers. Indeed. There's nothing more uncomfortable than bad shoes. I think it just puts my day off, you know. If you've got cold feet or uncomfortable feet, you just, it's not going to be a good time. And it's not like they were having the best time, right. I'm imagining. So um, something small, like more comfortable toes, I'm mm. sure makes a big difference. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't done any grafting or kitchen stitch, I highly recommend that you do because it's one of those um, knitting techniques or it's not really a knit, you know, but it's a knitwear technique um, that is kind of magical. Yeah. Like you just create a new row of knitting that connects the other rows of knitting and there's no seam. Yeah. Whoa. And uh, this pattern was actually published in July 1918 in a... Uh, almost a hundred years ago. I know, that's pretty cool. Isn't that crazy? Uh, in an edition of Vogue and it was called The Kitchener Heelless Sock and it was the instruction for grafting the toes for a smoother join and it's forever known as Kitchener Stitch. I'm glad I know about that knitter. Yeah. Oh, me too. Or knit dude. Knit, knit guy. Knit person. So on to top three. First of all, we're going to hear from you guys because we asked with the, the last giveaway we had, mm -hmm. which was some Isiga yarn, which was pretty cool. Um... We asked for you to comment with what your knit solution was going to be. Indeed. So if this is the first uh, New Year episode of the podcast you've listened to, you might not have heard about our knit solutions yet, but you can probably guess that they are New Year's resolutions that relate to knitting. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there was quite a mix. You know, we get, get a lot of like, I think a good standard knit solution is use more stash. Mm -hmm. Maybe make more garments. Yeah. Maybe uh, try a new technique. Well, one of the most uh, hardcore ones that I liked. Mm -hmm. So thanks for everyone who entered the competition, by the way. Thanks for everyone who wrote in. Uh, this is just a small selection of the one we had. If you need some inspiration, go check out the blog. Have a mm -hmm. Read the comments. Um, so Virginia, she said, uh, I have plenty of solutions. Uh, the most ambitious is to make a sweater a month. And she says, I almost can't believe I wrote that. It sounds crazy. Of course, I'll be knitting everything from stash, weaving in every end. Swatching every project and pinning everything when I block. Uh-huh. Yep. What? She says at the end. <laughs> I believe in you, Virginia. We do. And then she's used uh, Winky Smiley. <laughs> it's one of my favourite smileys. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you go. We, we hope you get 12. Go, Virginia. Yeah. And don't forget to share those projects with us because we are looking forward to seeing those uh, sweaters. Another excellent solution we enjoyed was from Vanessa who says, my solution is instead of making all my projects really organised to get them complete and push for them to be off the needles, I've promised myself to chill out a little. Even if it was made for a KL, doesn't mean I have to stop enjoying it and push for that deadline. So basically, I need to take my knitting easier and take time to enjoy it more often. That's good. That's a smiley face. Good balance. So, you know, Vanessa, she's got a, her goal. And yeah. It's great and admirable. But it's important to remember... Take the steam off those needles sometimes. Yeah, and you know, it's fun, guys. Yeah, it's fun. It's nice. Uh, speaking of fun, mm -hmm. Jennifer uh, got in touch and she's got a good plan. She's mm -hmm. going to make Coronas from uh, Autumn 2014. I endorsed that. I made one of those. It was delightful. And she says, wish me luck. We wish you luck <laughs> with your pom-pom jumper. So uh, another knit solution that we particularly enjoyed was from Emma. And hers is to continue to knitting to help to get over body issues. So to knit more clothes for herself and buy less uh, ready-made. She says, whenever I'm in a clothing store, I find I look at my body as an issue that needs to be solved or changed in some way. When knitting, I can be more relaxed about the way my body is shaped and looks because I know I can adapt my knitting to suit my body the way I want it to. It's been a very liberating experience for me, but I would like to get even better at this. So I guess I want to learn more techniques to help me tailor my knitting this year. This is something I think we can all relate to mm. and also relates to um, the article that Anna Maltz wrote for issue 19 um, about 
being able to, yeah, basically do what Emma just said and tailor things to suit yourself and that being one of the joys of making. Yeah, and also I think a lot, you know, such a society at the beginning of January, you see like, okay, get fit, get healthy, mm. lose weight, this is the time now! Yeah. I think it's sometimes uh, a little remedy to that, just to yeah. be a little bit more focused on, uh, yeah, making oh, stuff. Yeah, and on making things work for you rather than trying to squash yourself into someone else's mould. Mm. Oh, that's good. It's a good phrase, man. <laughs> um, also, Stephanie, she, uh, with Technique Based, she mm -hmm. wants to have a go at colour work and brioche, possibly with the aloe hat from uh, issue 19. Good plan. And uh, a bonus one is uh, to learn seam sweater construction. Mm. We were talking about um, setting sleeves, so maybe she'd do that. Indeed. I would, I would uh, highly recommend it. I feel like I do love a seamless garment, mm -hmm. but now I'm getting more pro-seamed things as okay. well. <laughs> and also, we should uh, mention this, we do have video tutorials on the blog, and the latest one is for Brioche, that the is introduction. True. So you can always check those, uh, check those out if you want to get into your techniques. <laughs> Oh, and a final one from Claire. Uh, she said other things for her illusions, but I like this one. She said, never missing a pom-pom pomcast episode. So thanks, Claire. That's I think a, that's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> we like that one. <laughs> okay, okay, so also uh, for a fun thing, I actually, we didn't do the knit illusions last year. Oh dear. Um, no wonder I did so much uh, bad knitting last year. Well, I actually went back and I listened to our knit illusions we made at the beginning of 2005. Uh, not even that. <laughs> I went way back and I didn't even know you in 2005. That's, uh, was confusing was for a moment. <laughs> yeah. And I went back to 2015. That mm -hmm. makes more sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I found out what you uh, planned to do for your resolutions. Can you remember? <laughs> you had three things. In 2015, let's have a think. Um, was one of them to do more colour work? Yeah, it was get better at colour work. I don't think I've really done that. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm guessing that one of them was probably like, make more stuff. Maybe make, make more, more jump jumpers. Yeah, okay. you said that. Okay. I don't know what the third one is. Use more stash. Okay. Wow, I'm really uh, pretty pedestrian in my illusions. I, <laughs> I okay, so mine, I was like, I kind of kept one. Mm -hmm. So the one I kept was to use Ravelry to its full potential. Ooh. And I think I have been a little bit I could move from proven. Uh -huh. But you know, I'm at 30% maybe with Ravelry. <laughs> Um, so yeah, using it to make more notes, uh, upload photos. And I did find this year because I was making a sock and I was like, oh, I've made this one already. Let me check my notes to see what needle Ooh. I use. And I thought, interesting, I used a smaller needle for the rib at the cuff. I was like, finally. Yeah, I'm bad at making notes, actually, because I always, every time I think, I'll just remember this. Why do I think yeah, that when no. I never do? Yeah. <laughs> so that's been good. Uh, my other one was use scraps for a blanket. Didn't do that, but I have started making a blanket this year. Yeah, so that's good. Crochet blanket. Yeah, yeah. and also, which I feel was ambitious, I was going to knit four cardies slash jumpers for each season. So I was going to have spring, hell. summer, <laughs> autumn, winter one. I think I did one cardigan that in 2015, which was good. That's pretty good, but uh, that was ambitious. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So we kind of we earlier when we were talking about our knit illusions, and uh, we decided that maybe we'd be better off just dis discussing more kind of resolutions and hopes for the year to come and maybe not rank them, which yeah. I know is, um, well, it's not really on, on formula, is it? It's not really on brand. This is the new 2017 vibe, man. Uh... <laughs> we don't need to rank things. We've just gonna, we're just going to talk about uh, our resolutions. I don't know. Do you have any resolutions for this year? I was thinking resolution-wise, it's usually like, oh, eat healthy, do a bit more exercise. Mm -hmm. I haven't really thought about that. But knitting-wise, I think the main thing, 
which actually came to me last night when I was, you know, sat down watching a bit of telly. Mm. Me and my housemates got back into Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It's on Netflix. Awesome. It's a lovely way to chill out in the <laughs> evening with some 90s reference and the importance of black culture. And Will Smith is a very attractive young man. Really jazzy shirts. Oh, That's my so jazzy. <laughs> Amazing. I love all the colours. Anyway, side note. So I was thinking, sit down, do my knitting. And I was mm. thinking, oh, I've got, I've got this bit I'm finishing off or I could do this and I could do that. I was like, I just need to focus more on one thing at a time. Right. And I think that's why I got such good results for my productivity over Christmas mm. is because I had just sat with one thing. Yeah. And I think that's what I need to do, sort of narrow it down a little bit because I think it's fun doing, casting on a lot of things. Mm. I think sometimes I fall into that trap. So I think a little bit more of a streamlined focus yep. Yep. per project. You know, not necessarily like doing one just until it's finished, but maybe just saying like, okay, this week, a bit more focus on this project. I think that will uh, calm me down a bit with the focus of the nice. projects. You know, okay. Well, I don't really have any knitting specific resolutions this year. Um, <clears throat> I was telling Sophie before the podcast that my resolution last year was to read more books, um, which I did, which was very productive in lots of ways. Um, I wish now that I'd kept a list of all the books I've read because so you can show how intelligent you are. <laughs> or just it's one of those things where like, I know I did loads of reading, but I don't actually remember what I read. Do you know the website Goodreads? I do. It's like Ravelry for yeah. If people don't know, it's like Ravelry for books, oh, basically. That. So you can be like, I read this book. It was good. Or like you put the two yeah. list to read. But um, it just reminded me, because uh, I've always really loved reading since I was uh, very, very little. I was always somebody who, you know, I know reading's not for all the people, but it does. You know, I do, I do really like reading specifically. Like I like listening, obviously, to podcasts and to books on tape and all this kind of stuff. Um but there's something different about, you know, reading from a page mm. uh, that I find particularly kind of helpful for me. And I think, yeah, it kind of helped me to sleep better. Because oh, um, I think, you know, there's always the trap of playing on your phone a little bit before you go to sleep or watching something before you go to sleep. Um, and even like knitting doesn't quite do the same switching my brain off mm. as um, reading does. And also, you know, I discovered authors that I hadn't, you know, just did all the the lovely things that you want reading to do. So that was probably my only really ever successful resolution, apart from keeping a diary again, uh, which I, which lasted about four or five months. Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> um, and then for this year, I decided not so much to make resolutions, but to, there are, you know, a few things that I, a bit like reading, really enjoy and feel like I don't do enough of. So I've started singing lessons to try and motivate myself to uh it's just I think I'm a person who needs schedules and deadlines basically so if I have to go somewhere every week and get somebody to tell me off because I'm breathing wrong that it helps me um in the long term so I'm gonna do that and then knitting wise come on we've got to have I oh know you have a knitting resolution yours is to focus. yeah don't, yeah damn M maybe that's my resolution and my knitting resolution uh, yours combines well, maybe this will have to be something I come back to next month. <laughs> Find out whether or not uh, I have any knitting-specific resolutions. Okay, well, just knit more. Maybe you can say that. <laughs> knit more things. There we go. Well, we hope you guys are knitting all the things. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be seeing you soon at a festival near you. Or if not near you, certainly Edinburgh's not near us. <laughs> but we'll be travelling up there. Um, so you can keep up to date, uh, as we said, on the social media forums. There's pompommag.com and our podcast email address. We'd love to hear from you guys. 
love to hear what you think of the podcast, what bits uh, you'd like to hear more of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so get involved. Yeah. And we hope that 2017 is treating you very, very well. Yeah. I think, can we say a little sneaky thing that stuff's, more stuff's coming? Uh-huh. So much stuff. This summer. <laughs> I'm just getting excited about it. Well, it's a really bad teaser for the end of like a cliffhanger. Like, and next time, more things. Well, I think it's safe to say that um, this summer is the fifth anniversary of Pom Pom, and we'll be celebrating that in a variety of ways, many of which will be revealed very soon. Very soon. All right. Well, uh, take care. We love you. Love you. Bye. Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for this show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Oh, and they've also just released a new single. Which is very, very good, so we think you should check it out now. Thanks, as always, as well, to Megan Fernandez, who is the co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. And thanks also to Amy and Gail. We couldn't do it without them. Indeed. Thanks to our interviewee, Daphne Marinopoulos, and our sponsors, Nature's Luxury. And of course, a big thank you to all you pom-pom buyers, subscribers, and listeners. You can buy uh, copies of the magazine and our books, uh, and subscribe as well if you want to at our online shop, which is www.pompommag.com forward slash shop. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. And why not leave a review? Why not? Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum. Podcast.